Welcome to the Reno Storytellers Project, brought to you by the Reno Gazette Journal. This podcast features oral storytellers who strengthen empathy and connect our community through diverse first-person stories of Northern Nevada. In this story, Linda Seelock tells us how she ended up in Reno, and in her story, she proves that all of the myths about moving to Reno are true. This is Episode 7, The Reno That Raised Me. I had five siblings, and I was raised on a little farm. We didn't have any running water, so therefore we had no indoor plumbing. Life was pretty primitive. When I was about nine years old, my father went to work in the woods. He lived in camps and was gone quite a bit. He wasn't uh, making enough money to truly support the family, so my mother got a job in town working as a waitress six nights a week. So she was either working, cooking, cleaning, when she was sitting, she was knitting, and that was pretty much her life. When I was 12, uh, my older siblings had left home, and I met Gene, the love of my life. He was 19 and the local bad boy. When my mother got wind of the fact that I was seeing him, seen with him, she sent me down to Maine to stay with my sister, hoping that that would break it off. When I came back, he was still around, and we... St- picked up right where we left off. I went into the eighth grade. By the time I was 14, I was pregnant. And in February of 1962, I had a little boy. I gave him up for adoption. I was very, very ill. And by the time I got out of the hospital, the school year was almost over. So I didn't go back to school. I went to work as a waitress. When I was 15, I met Skip. He was in town from Lynn, Massachusetts with his friend Dick. He was 27 years old, and he convinced my parents that he was 24 and the best thing that could have ever happened to me. So my mother was charmed, and my father considered me damaged goods anyway. So Skip and I were married July 1963 with the blessing of my parents, and Dick married another girl from town. Her name was Carol, and she was 17. We left St. Stephen in August and headed west. When we got to Ontario, Skip and Dick left us in a motel and took a motorcycle that we'd been towing back to Lynn. They were gone for five days, and during that time, Carol became very afraid. When they got back, she insisted that Dick take her home, so they left on the bus, and Skip and I continued on west. When we got to Portland, Oregon, Skip got a job in a gas station, and they allowed me to use the phone, so I called my mother. The minute she heard my voice, she started to cry. She said when Dick got back to St. Stephen, they arrested him because he was a bigamist, and so was Skip. The authorities on both sides of the border were looking for him, the RCMP on the Canadian side and the FBI on the American side, because he had transported a minor across provincial and perhaps international lines. I knew by the look on his face that it was true, but I told my mother that everything was going to be okay, don't worry, there must be some mistake. I told her that I I couldn't come home, I wasn't going to come home, and because I knew that I was pregnant again, and there was no way I was going back to St. Stephen pregnant. Skip and I left Portland and headed for Reno, where he could get a divorce and we could get remarried. We arrived in Reno in November, and by the end of September, excuse me, by the end of December, He had his divorce, and we were remarried. I had the baby in May. It was another little boy. 
I was very ill again. The baby died, and I would have too if they hadn't given me a complete hysterectomy. By the time I got out of the hospital, I was quite despondent, and I had come to realize that I was married to a very controlling, somewhat violent, older man who had very different ideas of how I should be making a living. As soon as I was well enough, I knew I had to get a job. So I got a job at a motel. On, it was the Ponderosa Motel on the corner of 4th and 6th Street. It was a nice little motel in those days, and it was owned by Mario and his mother. She was a little old lady. I don't remember her name. They were from Georgia, Russia. She didn't want to hire me because she thought I was lying about having experience, and she was totally right. I was lying. But they did hire me, and I must have done something right because within just a short period of time, they gave me a raise, and they let me use their pool. And when she went to San Francisco on a vacation, she brought me back a present. That winter, they laid me off. Uh, Reno was a seasonal town in those days, and motels were very slow. So I knew I had to get another job right away, so I looked. It was difficult. We, we, uh, Reno wasn't easy to find a job in in those days in the wintertime, but I finally got a job in February at the A&W on the corner of Audie and Montello. That's where I met Harriet. She was the manager. She wasn't a very sophisticated lady, but she had a very loving heart. She seemed to sense the fact that I was very afraid of everything, and she brought me out of that fear by not by telling me to do things, but by asking me to do things to help her. For example, she would say to me, please take this tray to the car. i just too busy. Or she would say, call this order into a vendor. I just don't have time. And in the course of me helping her, of course, it was helping me. That's also where I met Mary. Mary was a year older than me. She was married to an older controlling man as well, and she had just had a baby at the same time, around the same time I did, and her baby had also died. But Mary exuded confidence, and she had a driver's license, and she had a car. She gave me a ride home one day. She pulled into my driving driveway, and she said, turned off the engine. And she said, well, if you're not going to invite me in for a cup of coffee, I guess I'm just going to have to invite myself. Well, I was too afraid to say no, so she came in, and we started to talk, and that was the beginning of a lifelong friendship. She and her family taught me how to be a grown-up. Time went on, and I became the assistant manager of the Reno store, and Mary became the manager of the Sparks store. She and the owner, Doug, crossed swords, and he fired her. He offered me the management job, and I felt bad for Mary, and I was so unsure of myself, I didn't know whether or not I could do it. And she, being the true friend that she always was, said, don't you worry, you can do it. He knows what he's got. In the summer of 1969, Doug forced me to take the Dale Carnegie class. For those of you who are not familiar with what that is, it was a program that businesses sent their management staff to to gain assertiveness and confidence. For example, some of the things they made us do, uh, we had to pretend we were carnival barkers and yell at the crowd. We had to pretend we were little Abner and propose to Daisy May down on one knee. The night we did that, there, I was the only woman in attendance and I was proposed to about 20 times, and then I had to propose to a guy, 
down on one knee. It was crazy the things we had to do. Um, there were 20 men and five women in that class and I realized pretty soon that they were professionals, they were business owners, they were highly educated and they were all just as afraid as I was. And I realized that that's why my husband didn't want me to take that class. I even saw one of the guys cry. One of the women who finished the class went on to become a US Congresswoman. In early 1970, I finally gained the courage to leave Skip. I was still afraid and I didn't know whether or not I could take care of myself. Not sure why that was since I'd been supporting him most of our married life. The day I walked out of the courthouse on Virginia Street, many of you think this is urban legend, just urban legend and not true, but I for one can attest to the fact that I walked straight to that Virginia Street bridge and I threw my wedding ring in the truckie. Today I'm 69 years old. I'm not famous and thankfully I'm not infamous, but I've learned a few things that I like to remember and carry and pass on. We all have our strengths and our weaknesses Ignorance is not stupidity, and the smallest gestures can have huge consequences. And that's how Reno raised me. Thanks for listening to the Reno Storytellers Podcast. I'm Mike Higdon, and this was produced by the Reno Gazette Journal.